Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. He is risen. We're not Anglican, but we can say it back. He is risen indeed. Yes, he is risen. We thank you. Amen. Um, good to hear this feedback. That's, it's an exciting day today, and it, it's a really, really important day in the church calendar. It's one of the most important days because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we're going to really celebrate it this morning. I know after the service, we've got uh, hot cross buns, I believe. Um, so we've just celebrated communion this morning Thank you, Alex, because we're remembering the death and resurrection of the Lord and who he is to us. And we're going to remind each other this morning even more of the account of the resurrection part of that story, because we know that it is a part that's crucial to our faith in Jesus. The death of Jesus had a huge impact because the Bible tells us that Jesus died a criminal's death. He came to this earth fully God, but fully man. And he was tempted in every way, as we are, it says. But he did not give in to that temptation, yet he died the criminal's death, which we've just remembered this morning. He died on that cross in your place, in my place, because of the things that we have done, because we needed someone to save us. We needed forgiveness. And he actually got cut off from his father during that death. I think we forget just how powerful that moment was. He got cut off from his father. His father and him were one, remember. And then suddenly he was on earth, living a human life in supernatural form. And then he humbled himself to death on a cross. He went there willingly for you, for me. And at that time, when he died, the pain, the anguish that he felt was deep. It was deep. He was completely cut off from God. But that's not how the story ends. And we're going to read from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18, which will come up on the screen. We're calling this morning Resurrection Reflections this morning. I pray that you go away this morning having reflected on the deep meaning of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So we're going to read from John 20. Early in the morning, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter And the other disciple, that's John, by the way, because John's writing this, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. She sounded panicked at that point, didn't she? They've taken him out of the tomb, and I don't know where they've put him. She was one who loved Jesus deeply, and she was panicked. Where is he? Where have they put him? Then, on the next slide, we'll move on. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, 
I can imagine them out of breath, running, running, running to get to the tomb. They've got to see what's happened. Has he done what he said he would? In fact, they'd forgotten that he was going to raise from the dead. Peter got there first. He reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, I think he was quite pleased with himself for getting there first, don't you? He went inside. He saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. Instantly, he knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. But actually, still, it says, they did not really understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Verse 11, we move on to that one. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. For her, she thought someone had taken the body. She said, I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Imagine that. She didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me, where have you put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him. That, that part is so powerful to me. I've been reflecting upon that all week and thinking how powerful he knew her name. He said, Mary. Instantly, She knew who he was, and she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, she said. I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had what he had said, that he had said these things to her. So what a moment. First of all, it's the gardener. And then it's that light bulb moment where she knew exactly who he was. The gardener. The gardener. Now I'm wondering what you're thinking at this moment about who Jesus is. Some of you may have known Jesus for a very long time. You might know this story and have heard it Easter after Easter, Sunday after Sunday. Last Sunday, Wish preached a really powerful message about the Easter message. And if you haven't heard it, listen to it, watch it. It was so powerful. And it, it went into the power of the cross and how Jesus substituted himself for us and he gave us that powerful freedom on that cross. You know, when he died, do you know what happened? This is so powerful, and we forget how powerful the actual moment of Jesus' death was because the earth shook. And it says in the Gospel of Matthew, 
that not only did Jesus rise from the dead three days later, but when the earth shook, other people rose from the dead. Do you know that? We forget just how powerful that moment of the cross was, that these other people rose from the dead. Tombs opened, automatically opened the moment Jesus died. What does that tell you? People thought they were punishing um, a, a man who was a hypocrite and a, um, who, who, was, who was blasphemous. People thought they were punishing a blasphemous man. But that moment he died, people rose from the dead. The earth shook and the veil of the temple. In those days, you couldn't go into the Holy of Holies of the temple because there was this massive 50-foot curtain on the moment he died, this 50-foot curtain, that's taller than this building by far. If anyone wants to tell me and work out how much taller, I'd love to know. But the curtain ripped, not from the bottom, but it ripped from the top to the bottom. It was no accident. It was no man-made thing. God, in his heavenly realms, when his son passed from this life to death, made that happen as a sign that this was no ordinary man. This was no ordinary man. And yet Mary thought he was the gardener, the gardener. I wonder this morning, I want us to take a moment and think about how we see Jesus this morning. Is he the gardener to you or is he Jesus the Messiah? Amen. Jesus the Messiah. Thank you, Lord. This is a moment to really declare. Amen. It is Resurrection Day. And we believe. Amen. It's the best day in the whole of history. And we sit here sometimes and forget how powerful it is. The gardener. Do you think he's the gardener today? If he's just the gardener, he's coming to do something for you, cut your lawn. I'd love to have a gardener. It'd be quite good. <laughs> um, I do have a bit of help, though, from two young guys in my house. But, you know, if he's coming to just do something for you because it makes it all look better, that's not good enough. We need to have an encounter with Jesus. I'm going to talk about someone else who had an encounter with Jesus. We're reading on to uh, the next slide. Matthew chapter 16, 13 to 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So all the time Jesus was walking on this earth, three years he walked on this earth, a lot of people didn't recognize him for who he was. He was a good teacher. He, he rattled people's feathers quite a lot, didn't he? Um, and they said, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Maybe he's just a prophet, you know? Maybe this morning you're thinking he's just a prophet. I think he's just a prophet. He's a good man. Of course, we see in the Bible these good things that he did. He's got to be a good man, that's for sure. And Jesus said, who do you say I am? And this morning, I believe that he's asking that question of you. 
Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, he was wise. He answered that question. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God, he said. The son of the living God. And that, Jesus realized, was not revealed to Simon Peter by flesh and blood, but by the Holy Spirit. And, and so sometimes we need that revelation of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal himself to you. All he wants you to do is turn around, like Mary did in the garden, and realize that he's not the gardener, he's Jesus. Amen. And he's calling your name today. Um, maybe some of you don't realize who he is. Um, and the Bible, perhaps you haven't read it. Um, we're going to look on the next slide at some things that Jesus declares about himself in the Gospel of John. If you haven't read the Bible, the Gospel of John is a great place to start. Um, so Jesus makes these I am statements. And we know from the book of uh, Exodus, Moses had an encounter with God in the burning bush. And if you know that story, you'll know that God spoke to Moses. And Moses said, who are you? And God said, I am. Bit of a weird thing to say. I wouldn't call myself I am. But God could do that because it was very significant. And when Jesus came to earth, you know, the Bible, where the way it's written, it was inspired by God so much that there's a thread running through that, our living word. And that thread running through the word comes to a culmination in the book of John. So we're going to look at some of the I am statements that come in the book of John where Jesus talks about who he is. The first one is John 6:35. I am the bread of life. And I'm not going to go into that, but you can imagine bread, symbolic of something that's very, very important to our sustenance in daily life. It's our, it, it is a staple food, and back then particularly so. So it's our sustenance, our source. He's our source. John 9, 5, I am the light of the world. The light, something that brings, um, something that helps us see where we're going. He is to help us see where we're going. Number three, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. There's a lot of sheep in England, and sheep need a shepherd to guide them and look after them and to keep them safe. And we need that. He's our shepherd. Number four, John eleven twenty five. This is where it gets more serious. Jesus actually says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. This is what Jesus said about himself. It was no accident that throughout the Bible, there's this whole thread of I am going on. And some people thought that was weird. Some people thought that wasn't um, appropriate. Um, then he goes on to John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. And so what's that telling us? That without the vine, you can't have something growing without the stem, can you? We cannot grow. We cannot really live or move without the vine in Jesus. We, if we are in Jesus, we have that sustenance, that source. John 14.10 goes on to say, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. So what does that tell us? That, tell us? that tells us that as we, many of us, have that revelation already, that Jesus is one with the Father God. 
Jesus is God. Jesus became fully man, but he's full of God. Fully God at the same time. He was trying to tell the people that at the time. Some were not listening. They thought he was just there to do something. The gardener. The gardener. John 18, verse 5. When arrested, this isn't on here, I don't think. When arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, and the, the people who came to arrest him, they said, we're looking for Jesus. And do you know what he said? It was no accident. He used the words, I am he. I am yeah. he. Amen. Amen. If you're new to the Bible, you may not have read all these statements and seen them all in one list. I think it's really important to read them in that one list because it's so powerful. And you may be thinking, well, I don't know. I still think Jesus was just a good man. I still think he was a prophet maybe, but I'm not sure he was the son of God. There's three choices. On the next slide we see there's three choices really that we've got. Because of the way the Bible's been written and because of the way that Jesus explains himself in the New Testament, there's really only three choices for Jesus. He's either a deceiver He's completely out to get you and to say, ha, you know, this is, I'm just making a great tale here to make you feel good. I'm, I'm spinning a great old lie here. He's deceiving you into thinking that there's something powerful, a higher being, when actually it's nothing. You know, is that the Bible, the God of the Bible that we see? No. Is he, second one, is he dysfunctional? We hear that word a lot now. Um, it used to be, this is probably based on something called the liar, lord, or lunatic. I hate using the word lunatic. So I switched it to deceiver, dysfunctional, and divine. I, you know, there's a lot of dysfunctional people around. I've met people who called themselves Jesus, who've claimed to be Jesus. They've got a mental illness. The hospitals have many of them psychiatrists have seen many people who say, I'm God, I'm Jesus. And we know that this man that we've just read about in our Bibles, if you read the story of the Bible through cover to cover, you will not be seeing someone who's dysfunctional. No. But you may be seeing the divine deity. This is who we are worshipping today. This is the God that rose from the dead, rose Jesus from the dead. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead. He rose from the dead because he truly is the Son of God. Only he could do that. Only he could make other people rise from the dead the moment he died. I don't think that's happened. Not many people know that fact. Not many people talk about that. But it's a fact in the Bible. It says that. And you know, going back to Mary, I want to go back to that. There's a very personal nature to this story, to this account in the Bible. I don't like calling it a story because I believe it's true. You've got those three choices. Is he deceiving you? Is he dysfunctional and completely off his rocker? Or is he the divine deity? If he's the divine deity who rose from the dead this morning, he's saying to you, Mary, Tom... He's saying, your name, Ruth. He says, your name. 
He's not the gardener. Maybe you've been treating him as the gardener. Maybe over the weeks and months before today, your faith has been there, but maybe your faith has grown a little cold. I've been challenged this very week about this myself. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the church of Ephesus whose faith has gone cold, love has gone cold. This can happen to us. Our love can go cold. We can be treating Jesus like the gardener. Maybe to you today, he's never been the Jesus that we're talking about ever. Today might be a day where you've got to encounter that living Jesus and think about who he truly is. But maybe you've just let your faith and your love grow cold. Is he the gardener or is he your daily bread, the light of the world, the shepherd, the resurrection and the life? And I forgot to mention, he also says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the way, the truth and the life. And that's the most powerful verse, verse, I think, in the whole Bible because Jesus claimed to be the way, the way to what? The way to God, the way to the Father, the truth about God, and not just the truth about God, but I feel like many of us have never encountered also the truth about ourselves. We've encountered possibly, many of us will have encountered the truth about God and who he is and what he did for us, that he came on the cross and he died. And if we repent, we can come to him and have access to God the Father because he's the way. But maybe the truth that you haven't encountered is the truth about who you are. Because you, if you are, if you have given your life and repented to um, God for your sins and allowed him to be your shepherd, your king, your light, your way, then you have access to a friendship with a living God. You have been seated in heavenly places. And that truth needs to sink from our heads to our hearts. The truth that who we are in Christ, that we are chosen, we are called, we are special, we are Mary. We're not just a person in a garden who's going to do a job for us. He's not just a person in a garden who's going to do a job for us. He is a living word. The way, the truth, and the life. He brings life. And that life is in in Jesus. So who do you think Jesus is today? As I come to a close this morning, um, I don't know if Tom wants to come up, and um, we're going to close in just a couple of minutes. But I want to leave you with that question. Who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think he thinks you are? Who are you to him? That truth needs to sink down into your heart. You may have baggage. You may have done things in the past that you think are not forgivable. You think are not worthy of his love. But actually, he is saying to you that whatever you've done, whichever path you've taken in your life, whatever mistakes you might have made, he is still the way for you. He is the truth and he is the life and he wants you to come back to him and not see him as the gardener anymore. You know, if if someone's the gardener, then they're not really very personal. He is the God who is personal. He says your name, your name. And he says, return to your first love. 
Encountering Jesus for the first time may mean coming to him and saying, Lord, you're my shepherd. I'm allowing you to be my shepherd. I'm going to allow you to be my um, light. I'm going to allow you to be my bread. I'm going to allow you to be the way and the truth and the life for me. But maybe this morning you need to come back to your first love, recognize who you are, And recognize that this morning he calls your name. And your name is probably written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you have given your life to him. If you have, it is definitely written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we praise God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centerchurch.uk. Or check out our website at www.centerchurch.uk.